0: Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. And today we have a Children's Corner edition, and my special guest is Robert Hoyman. Um, he is the writer and creator of Limerick Comics, um, and a comic that was written by him and illustrated by Steve Feldman. Limerick Comics offers lighthearted original limericks on a wide range of history and science topics, each with an informational panel of surprising facts, all presented in entertaining comics. Middle grade readers, age eight and up, are invited to linger on each page and enjoy the humor, ponder inferences, and view the advocation details of each illustrated panel. Robert Hoyman is a graduate of the University of South Florida in Tampa. His journey as a classroom teacher spanned 41 years teaching in private and public schools in Florida, California, and Virginia. Limerick Comics is his debut book, and he is a member of SCBWI. Uh, For more information, you can visit the website, which is LimerickComics.com. Okay, so now I'd like to welcome Robert to the show. Good day, sir. Hello,
1: Robert. Uh, I'm delighted to be with you today.
0: Thank you. I really enjoyed reading your limericks, and also I was very—I learned quite a few things from the informational part. Um, so anyway, it was—it's it was, a, a very uh, playful kind of book. So. Um, I, I guess what, where we should start was—is would you mind sharing with the listeners just what limericks are, and you know, you know, what is? Uh, when did you become interested in them? Why, why did you choose this form for your debut book?
1: Well, the idea for creating limerick comics was really born out of necessity. As you mentioned, um, my career was spent in the middle grade classroom. And uh, I read to my own two sons every night after work, and I had a a great variety of books in the home. I tried to make it literature-rich. And so I had a book from home that I brought to school, one that my two sons particularly found entertaining. And it happened to be The Book of Nonsense by Edward Lear, the uh, quintessential British author, poet, and illustrator who... um, presented the superb form of limericks that he popularized. So the book had his own illustrations in it and rather silly stories. And as expected, when I brought this to school, uh, the students were delighted by the humor and the downright silliness. And when the book was completed and we had run uh, out of limericks, we'd reached the last page, the kids pleaded for more. And I thought, well, okay, I'll just get another book. So I was, because the kids had shown so much enthusiasm, uh, I headed for the school library and couldn't find any books uh, featuring limericks. So I went to the public library and local bookstores, and still, surprisingly, I could find no books that featured limericks for children. And uh, at the time, my experience, my conclusion after searching unsuccessfully was that it seemed like for children the genre was underrepresented so as a result um, I began writing my own and my personal interest was to write ones that weren't so silly I wanted to write some about meaningful topics that we uh, encountered along the way in the classroom in the content subjects like uh, social studies and science and I would write a few of the limericks, and then I had taught the children to write their own. And both theirs and mine, I passed out, and uh, they would illustrate them and come up with the most amusing illustrations. They were really cute and delightful. And for their uh, structure on the limericks, I went ahead and uh, passed out the phone book because the easiest way to generate a first line of a limerick was to write one about someone's name, and then you could find a second line easily to uh, rhyme with that. So in a, anyway, um, I had this giant collection of limericks, both my own and ones that the students had written, and uh, the focus had turned to from doing a lot of enjoyable, fun, creative things in the classroom to more Uh, preparing kids for uh, state-mandated testing programs. So there seemed to be, unfortunately, less time to do plays and some of these more creative endeavors. So uh, as the years went by, I I routinely shared the limericks with my students in school districts from California to Florida, and the reaction was the same. (laughs) The kids were always enchanted by the humor, They would sit, and I would place the 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 limerick and the illustration on the chalk ledge after I had read them, and I'd get the most puzzled looks and the most uh, interested reactions to both uh, the stories and the pictures. So it became clear upon my retirement that I really wanted to make it a priority to polish off my old limericks, write new ones, uh, provide a fascinating accompaniment of fun facts to inspire. Discussion or discourse between teachers and students or kids and parents i was I was really hoping that the book would appeal to parents to read together with kids because um, it's not only younger preschool parents that enjoy reading with their kids and need to read with kids uh, the parents of middle grade children also need to have involvement and in develop literacy and fluency with their children. So anyway, uh, my my next goal was to find a brilliant illustrator to create evocative comics and really thoughtful illustrative panels, and the, the result was my debut
0: book of uh, Limerick Comics. Wow. So one of the things that I... Um, I find you know very interesting when it comes to um, authors who um, write books and have illustrations. Is that connection of you know finding the illustrator? Um, so uh, can you tell us a little bit about how you found Steve? I mean, because he did a wonderful job. I mean, those, they're very colorful and you know, and, and I mean, I could just imagine you know as a parent reading to their child the stories. Um, I could just see children, you know, pointing to different parts of the picture, the illustrations that you made, in, in commenting or maybe even, you know, creating their own stories or additional parts to the story. So, how did how did you um, connect with Steve for this project?
1: I went to a couple of websites. Uh, one of those, I think, was Children's Illustrators. One features children's illustrators from around the country, and I they had portfolios on display and I would go through and look at the various styles and, and, uh, the types of images that were there. And, uh, I found, you know, an unending number of qualified illustrators who were very brilliant and gifted. And I looked through them and, uh, over time I kept finding myself going back to, uh, Steve Feldman's particular style. I was just really drawn to it. And as I looked through his, uh, portfolio and the diversity and the nature of his illustrations, and uh, I, I just uh, was continually drawn to Steve. And I'm, I was uh, obviously an unpublished author, and when I reached out to Steve, I was more than thrilled that he considered working with me. He asked me to send over a manuscript. He looked it over, and uh, I guess the nature of the project really appealed to him, and he was drawn to it right away and I'm so thankful for that.
0: Yeah. It, like I said, he did a, a wonderful job and you know they're very engaging kinds of illustrations. Um, so now one of the things um that is unique about your book is as you mentioned the informational um section um that comes with each framework. So can you um I mean that's a very unique um, kind of structure. So, can you tell us, um, you know, when it came to um, the, you know deciding our particular topics, you know, that were going to be discussed. I mean, what was the process of identifying the, the kinds of information that you wanted to include in that that section?
1: Well, the topics in limerick Comics are, are varied. And so um, they're essentially ones that I gathered along the way throughout my teaching journey of over 40 years, coming across so many in teaching all the different subjects. I, I, I chose a subject matter that I particularly found personally fascinating, but I also tried to include many topics that I remember eliciting interest, intrigue, uh, curiosity on the part of the students. Um, some limericks were built around introducing a a particular concept like um, bioluminescence or introducing the idea of uh, gastroliths, which I found (laughs) quite unusual uh, or just something uh, extraordinary, like the fact that uh, octopuses possess three hearts. Uh, Others address uh, the natural curiosity that's found in children, you know, I found in the classroom they're always wondering um, where things come from or there's a natural curiosity about the origin of things. It could be something real complex like uh, roller coasters. Where did they first get the idea for roller coasters? Or it could be something quite ordinary like uh, cement, you know, a common construction material that has endless applications. So uh wanted to put together a collection that would uh, interest kids. And my intention was to, you know, use a literary device, a clever, humorous literary device to elicit interest in uh, a variety of different topics and get kids excited about learning.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, if you don't mind, I I went through and highlighted um, probably about a half a dozen of of them that you know just kind of stuck out. And if you wouldn't mind, I kind of want to go through them just to give the ideas, the listeners, um, idea of just the variety you have. First of all, one of them that you had was about suckerfish, and, and are called remora. Now I had no idea that, what remora was, you know, and those are the 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 fish that attach themselves to sharks. So, um, anyway, that was one thing that I learned. <laughs> when I was going through and reading it, um, but that's a that's a, a, a wonderful story. Our uh, Limerick, would you kind of sharing with the listeners, you know, a little bit about that one? You know, when it went yeah. to creating that. Yes, uh,
1: remoras have really, really uh, fascinating behavior. And it's interesting the way that they attach themselves to uh, large creatures. They inhabit tropical waters, and they they like to hitchhike a ride on sharks, whales, sea turtles, and rays. And um, one feature that I have in some of the limericks, and uh, many classroom teachers uh, will uh, enjoy this, because as a reading skill, uh, I try to sometimes have inferences built into the limerick. So um, anyway, um, sometimes, the, uh, sometimes the limit will lead to an inference, an intriguing inference that's explained in the sixth panel, the informational panel. But um, I talk about remoras, and um, the inference in that one yes. is the fact that they munched on dead tissue – So food was no issue when the banquet continued inside. When the banquet continued inside is simply an inference that hopefully will make kids curious to read further and explore the fascinating facts in the uh, sixth panel. Because smaller remoras actually live inside the mouths of whales, larger sharks, and manta rays where they feed on bacteria in food scraps. So it's hard to imagine you know, I think typically most people uh, have a picture or an image in their mind of sharks swimming about and having sucker fish or remoras stuck to the outside of them. But uh, it's really quite fascinating that within the mouths of these larger species, you actually have smaller remoras that live in there and feed off the, the bacteria and food scraps.
0: Yeah, it, it was it was really something. That was you know, one thing. I now you mentioned earlier the roller coaster. Now I actually um, would like to read that limerick because um, I think it's a, it's a very funny one. And, and it is.
1: While riding
0: the coaster at Fun World, we sped with a whoosh and a whirl. We swooped from the crest, and I must. And I must confess, I seriously started to hurl. Well, as soon as I read that one, I thought, kids are going to love that, you know, because, I mean, that is kind of like right down their alley, you know, is, is what interests them. So I thought, you know, this is, you're, you're someone who definitely knows your audience.
1: Yes, definitely. That one, uh, that was certainly uh, designed to get a cheap laugh from kids, and they, they certainly enjoyed humor in the classroom. So, yeah that was a good one. and the uh, origin of uh, roller coasters was pretty amazing you know, who who would have ever conceived of uh, putting a miniature train on tracks and how it defied the the laws of gravity? but uh, it had its origins in uh, Pennsylvania, and they transformed some of the some of the ski slopes in the wintertime. And they had these uh, sleds, and they needed something to, in a way to use those slopes to attract tourists and people during the off season so during the summer months they they built these uh, tracks upon coal, coal railroads yeah
0: It's a fascinating
1: wow. history. We cover that in the book.
0: Yeah, it is. It is, and you know that's the uh, the one thing that you know I'm, uh, so m- many kids have have experienced. So um, yeah. Uh, it, yeah, even and if they didn't. didn't. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, and uh, the actual origination came from Russia when they just use uh, sleds uh, descending down the winter slopes in little ice frame ice slides. So it uh, started out in a very primitive nature in Russia and adapted to little coal carts in Pennsylvania. And, uh, you know, these days we have them that don't just go on a camel back down a track. They actually go 360. You won't, you won't catch me on one of those.
0: no no either so uh, you know also one of them that you had um you talk about bats and you 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 know talk about bats in the belfry and blind as a bat so you know those are scenes that i think children may hear you know from from adults but you know one of the things i've uh, noticed is that that um you know your your description is uh you know, leads into the the background of those. So I think that would stimulate, I would think that that would stimulate a child that if they hear a saying that they don't know what's about to to maybe go and explore its origins. Yeah,
1: very much so. And again, that was uh, an opportunity to uh, teach an interesting concept of echolocation. Uh, you know, you hear the old uh, expression blind as a bat. Well, there are some bats that are blind, not all, but some use echolocation to navigate and search for food. So that's another uh, limerick that I really designed around a specific concept that I wish to teach, and that is echolocation. And again, uh, there are other specific uh, concepts that the limericks were built around. A couple other examples would be uh, one that I wrote about the anglerfish, which is an opportunity to teach about bioluminescence. Um, and uh, as a child growing up in Florida, I remember r- riding along the river at night and seeing the glow from the, uh, the rocks and the sea life uh, below the surface. And that was very fascinating to me. Uh, another one... Yeah, well,
0: I mean, coupling that with the mermaids was a really good... Uh, A good plus, you know, to be able to put those put those two together, you know, because it it, it spurs imagination along with you know something that you know happens in nature.
1: Yes, the anglerfishes are another interesting creature. Um, Gastroliths—I didn't uh, learn about that until actually I was an adult. I couldn't. I was just uh, astounded that there are actually creatures that gobble stones and use them. In their stomachs to aid their digestion. Everything from a lumbering apatosaurus to a tiny tiny birds that use pebbles, and even ostriches will swallow stones and you know, allow them to
0: aid digestion. It's just yeah. well, using using uh, a dinosaur in that one. That was the dinosaur one, correct? That, that's correct. That's correct. You have yeah, yeah. yeah. When I saw that, I thought, boy, there's, there's another one. I mean, there isn't a young boy that I know of who hasn't had, you know, a set of dinosaurs at one point in, in their youth.
1: Yes, dinosaurs are extremely popular. There are even stores that feature dinosaurs. Uh, there's, a, there's a dinosaur shop, dinosaur shop in uh, Cocoa Beach nearby that, has a great many different uh, artifacts that kids can buy. Uh, I'm, I'm near Ke- Kennedy Space Center. I grew up watching a host of uh, space shots from in the, from the uh, Gemini project, the Apollo missions, and the space shuttle. And uh, I have a, a mention in my book about Ham the Astrochimp, The the final page in the book is about uh, chimpanzees, and uh, Alan Shepard's suborbital flight in the Mercury Project was preceded by Ham the astrochimp who was shot into space and was taught to manipulate levers. And uh, uh, the NASA scientists did experiments on weightlessness featuring uh, a chimpanzee. So I wanted kids to know that historically, you know, there were chimpanzees that helped aid our success in the early days of the space program.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, also a, a topic that you um, attacked a couple of times um, in, in the limericks had to do with health. Um, one, one of them was regarding a healthy diet and nutrition and food choices. And, and then the other one was uh, um, the the perils of, of cigarettes or of tobacco, of, of cigarettes and, and um you know, chewing back and that kind of thing. So um, do, do, do you find that um, kids will be more maybe attentive or, or interested when it comes to those topics when put in that kind of format?
1: Yes, it certainly has drawn a lot of interest. Uh, I don't think kids understand the power of uh, nicotine as uh, effect mm-hmm. to hold smokers. Uh, yeah, those those were I thought real important health topics. One other one that uh, I felt was pretty effective was the one I had written about uh, food inspection, and it's something we never think oh, yeah. about. We just take it for granted when we march down the aisles of our grocery store. But um, I think when we had a government shutdown, and there the inspection of Uh, Our foods was delayed. It it drew great concern about um, product product inspection and uh, how important it is to make certain that products go to market free of any type of food-borne bacteria.
0: Yeah, yeah, that one that one was informative, you know, and, and you know, especially kids in urban areas, you know, where, you know, they've never really had the, the opportunity to, you know, to see firsthand where the food, you know, process begins. Um, you know, that was that was a very good one. Um, well, we're about halfway through the show, Robert. I want to take just a quick break, and I do want to invite listeners. If you want to call in and ask Robert any questions, you can call in at 619 789 Four three five nine, and those listening live in the chat room. If you have any questions, feel free to call in. And and then when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about the the process that that you go through um, in, in creating limericks and and then maybe you know the hints that you can maybe give listeners on on how they could do it themselves. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Everyone, stay tuned. Great. Everyone, stay tuned. We'll be right back after this brief break. Twitter, LinkedIn, etc., and we also have buttons to those platforms at the top of our home page. Our website, radio.me, has much for you to explore and enjoy. I also very much appreciate you supporting our guests, and especially today's guest. And now, back to the show. Okay, everyone. Everyone, thank you for staying with us again today. My special guest is Rob Hoyman, Robert Hoyman. And we have been talking about his new book, The Limerick Comics, um, that he created along with illustrator Steve Feldman. Um, You can find out more about um, the offering by visiting the website, LimerickComics.com. Okay, with that, we're back, Robert. Okay, good. You're right. So, um, one one of the other uh, limericks that you um, said that you had some interesting kinds of connections um, was was the one that you did about the Titanic. So, can you tell us about that particular limerick?
1: Yes, uh, that particular limerick had to do with the fact that after the James Cameron film came out, I think it was in the mid 90s, uh, it I saw a tremendous amount of interest on the part of the children about the story of the Titanic. And there were a number of library books that uh, kids would bring to the classroom. They would rotate and check out them every week. And it just seemed like every time we went to the library, the kid brought back some book uh, having to do with the Titanic. So I uh, was looking into that one, and I found a really amazing set of uh, uh, similarities between the occurrence of uh, the sinking of the titanic and a novel that was written by uh, a, a American writer Morgan Robertson uh, he wrote a novel that occurred uh I think 14 years before the actual sinking of the titanic and uh he uh, the uh, n- name of the ocean liner thought to be unsinkable was called the titan and uh it was considered unsinkable, both of the uh, ships uh, had encountered the same fate, and the sinking was caused by an iceberg in both the novel and the actual event. they happened in mid April uh, the approximate speeds of the boat were of the ships were uh around twenty knots, and uh the the sinking occurred uh, just south of Newfoundland. In both both circumstances, the ocean lines were made of steel. They hit the iceberg on the starboard side. The North Atlantic, uh, both events occurred very close to the, strike of, the stroke of midnight. Uh, and uh, whenever you read about this and the fact that you know each of the boats had similar structures, like nineteen watertight compartments um, mm. they both they both had an insufficient number of lifeboats, and this the idea that there are this many similarities from a novel that was written fourteen years before the actual event, and what took place with the sinking of the Titanic is mind blowing
0: Wow, yeah, a lot of that information i hadn't had no idea um about. And and it, like I say, you know, I mean this not only teaches children but also for the uh, the parent or the educator, you know, who is um uh, you know reading it to their charges. You know, um so now, do you do well let's say for for the um would you say that the audience for the for the comics are both parents and educators, and I mean, just in general, um, people who interact or, or work in the, idea, the education of children. No, not really.
1: I think that uh, you know, what we tried to do with the book uh, was try to create a a book that was create that was uh, worthy of the coffee table, and uh, a great many people are interested in limericks. People, you know, kids and uh, people of all ages you know, my focus was to, in the structure of the book, you know, again, write a clever limerick that would elicit interest in all of these various topics. But also uh, there's so many adults too (laughs) that love limericks. As a matter of fact, uh, one of the most popular places on the internet is on Twitter and it's uh, a person named limericking and uh, it's, it originates from the National Post, which is it's a writer from the National Post, which is the largest newspaper in Canada. It's called Limericking. It has over hundred he or she, don't know which has over a hundred thousand followers, and it's dubbed as the news gets verse. So uh, it was really fascinating to me uh, when I put this book together and came across Limericking. That uh, kind of there are some similarities. So I reached out to this person and let them know that you know, I had uh, written this book, and also it, it's accompanied by nonfiction. Uh, it has an accompaniment of nonfiction to match with each limerick, not unlike what he presents. And uh, he, this, they got back to me and uh, was very, very helpful and accommodating, complimentary, and uh, retweeted my Kirkus review and has offered uh, quite a bit of support for my project. So just the fact that, you know, here you have someone that does a similar
0: uh, mm-hmm.
1: similar use of blend of nonfiction and limericks and it has a following of 100,000 followers uh, speaks a lot to you know, the literary device and how popular it
0: is yeah yeah it does and and um yeah so now um, can you explain um kind of the what the structure of a limerick and 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 on how how does one go about i mean I'm sure it's probably depending on the individual, but I mean, is there a kind of a formula or or a, a process that that you go through when 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 creating a limerick?
1: Yes, well, the limerick essentially is a poem that consists of five lines in a single stanza, and and the rhyme scheme is A, A, B, B, A. And when I put them together, you know, they take a a pretty good long time. Typically, I can get the first two lines and a fair idea of the direction of the story. And as I mentioned to you, many times they're built upon a topic or what type of concept I want to present. And um, the next three lines take quite a bit of time to emerge. Uh, The final line for me is crucial because it serves the purpose of resolution uh, to the story and also for story clarity. Occasionally I'll use it, as I mentioned earlier, to uh, offer an intriguing inference. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, some like Edward Lear often used the fifth line of the limerick and he simply restated the first, but I find that uh, in constructing a story, I find that fifth line essential to help tell the story because, you know, five lines are restrictive enough. But I really embrace the process of crafting a limerick poem with a real strict adherence to anapest meter, uh, working within the constraints of word choice. You know, it's one thing to be able to tell a story, but with... uh, the, the format for a limerick, you're really limited on word choice because uh, of the restrictions imposed by the number of syllables and by the placement of the accent. So that's the real challenge. So uh, for me, I, I ponder individual limericks for days and days, uh, slowly taking shape wherever I might be. And uh, it kind of is, is all-consuming, uh, even in my daily life as I go about my business uh, I try to swim every day, get exercise. I go to our community pool, and I'll be pondering, one, trying to work out some lines often, and more than once, uh, it's, it's come to me while I was swimming or something. And uh, You know, sometimes when you really, really try, you sit down to the, in the, at the desk and try to force it, it doesn't come. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> that, you know, when you're doing other things, all of a sudden it'll come to you. So more than once, I found myself swimming in the pool. Some a line will come to me with great clarity, and I'll jump on my bike and pedal home and write it down before it fades away.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's it's wonderful when that that little bit of um, insight happens, and you know, and it does seem that uh, it comes when you're doing something um, that kind of gets you in a I won't say. A meditative state, or you know, something where you're 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 kind of out of your head in a way, in, in the sense that you're you know you're doing a task. Like a lot of people, for for some people, it's taking a shower. You know, when that comes, you know, some comes into them. For me, when I did my first book, it was doing a nature walk every morning. You know, that's kind of when it when it came in. So um, yeah, so for, for people out there who have a block, you know, you know it's. Uh, it could be very useful to take a break from you know, trying to force something and and allow it to to come to you in the right right proper time. True enough. So, so now, um, as far as favorites, do you have a particular favorite <laughs> limerick of of um, of the book? Well, not really.
1: Um, I like them all. Uh, some of the subject matter of course naturally would interest you more than others but you know all these limericks are they're like they're like my two sons you know I love them equally <laughs> while appreciating their <laughs> unique qualities <laughs> but uh-huh. uh you know i guess um if i were forced to pick one i'd have to pick the limerick that i wrote about uh king tut uh tutankhamun the Egyptian Pharaoh. <laughs> yeah, that one always brings a chuckle. Like, yeah. You know, I have the last line, and kids can really relate to this because they love being in charge. Uh, at 19, no Pharaoh was
0: cooler. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know, and all his bling. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, that, that that's really, really, really nice. You know, and uh, you know, what I must say, they're really all of them. Um, just the variety of of what you have—they all, you know, really have something to teach. I mean, some things like the the twenty mule teams one, you know, that some kids may not have any idea, you know, about mule teams. You know, but but it's a wonderful history lesson. You know, and, you know that went along with the, the, the Pony Express, and you know. So, I mean, in a way, you, right. you, you really do bring a bunch of history into the into the Limericks.
1: Yeah, the, I think there will be a number of children that are surprised that we did, there was a time when we did not have instantaneous email. <laughs> I know, or or it, lamp lighting, a- having to light the lamps,
0: <laughs> you know, the lamps.
1: Yes, yes, and kids can really relate to that. Uh, the, the Link Boys of London, how they would walk the, uh, the dark streets of London with torches and for a couple of uh, pennies, they would uh, escort uh, wealthy people to restaurants and uh, out into the dark evening at a time before we had street lamps. And, uh, you know, one thing I want to mention, too, uh, is the the uh, pr- panel progression and the thoughtful Illustrations on the part of my partner Steve Feldman, and uh, there are some that he has. Some of the illustrations in the panels that actually overlap, and he he, he has put forth so much thought and what he wants to reveal, and when in you know, putting together the five panels, illustrating each of the individual lines of a limerick, and you know I've seen some of the limerick books that I had referred to earlier, the ones I'd seen, and and basically uh, you'll have a a limerick about a story and then a single illustration. But my experience in the classroom, again, with graphic novels being so popular, you know, they would just fly off the library shelves. Anything that had to do with comics and graphic novels, the kids just loved. So when I decided I was going to, you know, write this book, it just seemed like uh, what an appealing uh, way to do this would be to do it in, in a really uh, elegant
0: comics format. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was it was really good, and and now and the attention to detail was um, was wonderful. I, I noticed the the one that you you did about. Um, uh, the, the slug, um, you know, that particular one there in the nonfiction part panel of uh, the information about the slug, you can even see have yeah the, the slug trail going through, I mean, I, you know, I just kind of pay attention to the details and I just thought, you know, that was, um, you know, that was kind of, that, that was just a good addition. You know what I mean? Uh, to That's me, it right. tells that so much attention really went to, into each particular panel.
1: Yes, he certainly did. And, you know, kids kids will uh, always wonder about the slime relative to slugs. Paul yeah. the Slug is one of my favorite characters, and I, it's the
0: underdog, and all kids can relate to the underdog. Yep, exactly. Or or even the ambitious ant that was tired of hearing you can't, you know, um, how many kids yeah. have been told you can't, you know? And, uh, you know, it's it's, it's empowering to, to recognize that, you know, you can, you know. So I think that's a, a really powerful message, too.
1: Yes, that's right. Athletes and others, uh, anybody that's been told that you can't accomplish something makes them even more
0: determined to do so. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Now, I understand that you're involved with um, bedside reading. So can you tell us about bedside reading?
1: Yeah, I am really thrilled to uh, be, be part of the bedside reading. Uh, it's a uh, <clears throat> limit comics is going to be, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the eight curated titles chosen by bedside reading to uh, m- be made available to luxury hotel partners across the United States, and it's a company that puts forth uh, books by the bedside for guests of uh, hotels that are uh, in uh, you know, Florida, California, and all states in between. And uh, they, they're the world leader in providing this valuable amenity, and it's essentially to enhance the hotel experience. I went down to the uh, Aqualina Hotel down in Fort Lauderdale, Uh, Last week, and dropped off uh, a great many hardcover books. They also have the digital books uh, available for free download to all of their guests. And uh, just the idea that Limerick Comics was the only children's book chosen among the eight titles to be presented in luxury hotels is deeply humbling. And I'm just uh, so grateful and, and honored to be a part of that. Uh, you can also yeah. uh, look for uh, Limerick Comics. Uh, is going to be featured, too, in the Bedside Reading Book Giveaway. It's going to be in Women's World Magazine on December the 10th. And uh, they're also going to have a feature ad in Hollywood Weekly Magazine. It's going to hit the newsstands uh, in, let's see, December the 1st. So to learn more about the book giveaway on Women's World Magazine and uh, the Hollywood Weekly Bedside reading on the download. You can go to uh, my website at uh, limerickcomics.com, and also go visit stevefeldman.com to see a uh, great many of Steve's uh, illustrations and his artwork. The wonderful thing about uh, Steve's involvement in Limerick Comics was that you know uh, it was a bit different from a lot of the books that he would illustrated when you when you. When you uh, illustrated a children's book, Steve has said that, you know, you have a lot of variations on the same character or scenery. And the nice thing about Limerick Comics was that, uh, you know, the subject matter changes with the turn of the page. And it really gave Steve an opportunity to show his great versatility as an artist. And uh, yeah, that's, one wow. of
0: the,
1: that's one of the appealing things about uh, Limerick Comics, too, is it's it's so good for uh, reluctant readers. Uh, teachers know this, and probably many parents know, that there are a great many kids who really don't love reading, and we always strive to find a way to get them interested in books. And a number of kids uh, are unable to start and finish a book. And uh, Limmer Comics allows that because, you know, the subject matter changes on each page, and it's really something that would appeal to reluctant readers and avid
0: readers alike. Yeah, yeah. And and like we said, I mean the variety of subject matter is so varied. Um, you know, it's great. Um uh well Robert, I really wanted to thank you for your time today. Again, I really enjoyed the book and thank you. congratulations on being included in the bedside reading um project there that's going to give wonderful exposure you know to your book Um, now I'm assuming that you maybe have more comics (laughs) in in the queue yeah I may
1: have uh, a few that didn't make the cut uh, a great many of those uh, may or may not be (laughs) uh, academically uh, valuable right some are kind of silly and absurd but uh, they're enjoyable too so who knows we may put those out at some point but, uh... yeah
0: well you know silly and absurd is is perfect for kids you know you know i mean it's we you know sometimes we just you know inundate kids with you know a whole lot of um, um education you know and and that uh and, and that's a good thing but but you know the whole idea of being a child is you know is to be silly every now and then you know and it's it's a uh, I think it's a good thing to, to include because it, you know, um, too often we we discourage kids from, you know, from their imagination, you know, or, or acting, you know, acting like kids, you know, and uh, so that's a good thing. But don't let that stop you, you know. As silly is good. And Robert,
1: if I could make one more point, I just wanted to point out too that, um, you know, year after year on parent conference tonight, Uh, I was always asked by well-intentioned working parents of struggling readers, you know, what can we read together? I want to read with my middle-grade student at night. What can we read? And I'd go to the shelf and pick out a novel that I thought might hold their attention. But, you know, they Uh may not be able to read every single night. It might be a week before they get a chance to sit down and read with their child. And the good thing about Limerick Comics is you can pick it up and read for 20 minutes to a half an hour and put it down and then pick it up. Days later, and
0: uh, investigate a new topic. Oh, exactly, exactly, and and you know, even allowing children to pick their own favorites, you know, or you know, and some of them may be, you know, really more appropriate. Like like we mentioned about the ant, and and that you can, you know, there may be uh, a child may be going through a, one of those cases where they're questioning their abilities, you know, and that you know just that limerick along with the discussion can really change things around. So it, it's a really good resource. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, well, because, thank you, Robert, for your time today. I, I, I really enjoyed speaking with you. And, and, um, and like I say, I enjoy your, your comics very much.
1: Well, thank you, Robert. It's been a pleasure to speak with you. And I really appreciate the opportunity to make Glimmer comics known
0: to your listening audience. Great. Thank you. Again, everyone, today, my special guest has been Robert Hoyman. We've been talking about his new Limerick Comics. Um, again, you can find out more by visiting the website, LimerickComics.com. And from there, you can purchase the comics. You can re- do, look through the reviews, the news and events, and, and all kinds of other information, as well as contact information for Robert. So, everyone, I want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show, Children's Corner, and until we meet again. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Remember, our show is available as a free podcast from Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. To follow our show, visit our homepage at byteradio.me and select the platform you use most. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Byte Radio Me. Until we meet again, remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touch.